Did you know we had a wall of gratitude at OSSP? While I don't use any of the machines, I always know what's going on and I have my hand in all the pies all the time. Every year, March and June finish on the same day of the week. Did you know that? Next, we have band camp, August 2nd to August 6th. Summer is around the corner, everybody. Yeah! Well, let's see, I started uh, in kindergarten in 1958, and I graduated in 71. We have been doing a lot of fun things in art class. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the March edition of the OSSB podcast. We have some great things for you this month. OSSB has a gratitude wall, and Mrs. Knight and Mrs. Trot will join us to tell us all about it. Like always, the team and I handpicked a few interesting facts for the month of March. We will take you to the spring dance put on by student council. Our model club took a field trip in late February to IC3D, and I interviewed Marie and discussed the partnership between IC3D and the OSSB model club. Summer is around the corner, everybody. And with summer comes a lot of summer camp opportunities for us to tell you about. We want to give a huge shout-out to the OSSB Marching Band for their great performance in the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Enjoy this edition of the OSSB Podcast, and thanks for listening and supporting the students and staff of the Ohio State School for the Blind. Did you know we had a wall of gratitude at OSSB? Uh, no. Not that I'm aware of. No, I didn't. We would like to welcome to the podcast the creators of the Gratitude Wall, Mrs. Natasha Knight and Mrs. Ashley Trop. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Before we get into the wall, let's make sure our audience knows who you guys are. Let's start with Miss Trot. You've been on the podcast before representing OSSB Athletics. What else have you done here at OSSB? Um, What have I done or what am I doing? What have you done? (laughs) I've been a teacher in the multi-disability classroom. I've been a resource teacher. And for the past couple of years, I've been a teacher in the modified curriculum here for grades 7 and 8, 9 and 10, and 11 and 12. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I... Like occasionally, I do see you all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. I, I do kind of wonder what you do. So that's, that's kind of interesting. Everything. Oh, okay. How about you, Miss Knight? I don't think we've had you. Um, no, you haven't had me on the podcast. Started out with seventh and eighth graders when I came, um, working in the classroom, and then I went uh, for a time to um, the deaf school, and I worked in the ELC program, and now I'm back up in the high school wing with um, the, I guess you can call it multiple disabilities room, um, with uh, Miss Fichtelman and uh, Miss Sanson and Miss Gabe and. Miss Fichtelman just had a baby. And oh. so we have a, a sub-teacher. Her name is Miss uh, Carrie Cole. So that's where I am right now. 
Thank you both so much for being here. Now, let's out the gratitude wall. Who would like to start and explain what the gratitude wall is? Um, I can start. So this is um, how it started. So right at the uh, right around December when we were leaving for a uh, winter break, um, our cheerleaders were a little bit kind of grumpy. Grumpy, <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we had the discussion of, um, and I. I insisted that they, we stopped right before we were about to leave that day. I insisted that they stop and give me three things that they were grateful for. And there couldn't be a but on the end of that. It had to be, what are you grateful for? And we're going to leave it at that, at the, um, at the end of the cheerleading practice and we're all leaving for, for winter break. And so then after that, when um, Ashley and I, we started talking and I was like, what do you think about a gratitude wall? And kind of, you can. I, I loved the idea because I'm a person who feeds off of positivity. Um, I think a lot of my students who know me say I'm annoyingly positive. Um, but I love that because it's, con- it's as contagious as negativity. So when we were talking, it was an immediate boost in my mood and it causes you to kind of focus on what's good in your life, it's so easy to focus on the negative. Being around Miss Knight, though, is always a big boost for me because we're like the yin and yang. We work so well together, yes. and I adore her. So when she had this idea, it was kind of her baby. Of course, I jumped on it. It was such a great idea. So she she was the mastermind behind it, and I just helped to enforce it. It was wonderful. Yes. I loved it so much. And I love that she's the wordsmith, like the emails. <laughs> so, you know... Have we talked about the location of where the gratitude wall is? Where is it located in the school building? Maybe I just missed that. No. no we ha- oh, I'm sorry. We thought it would be great to place it in the connector because that is a high traffic area. And everyone walks through there can either go up to the wall. There is a Braille option. The Braille option um, has everything that's on the little hearts that are placed on the wall. Um and then there's obviously each of the individual hearts that a person has filled out. And it students, staff, um, we thought about opening it up to parents because a lot of parents have positive things to say about the staff here. So it's just kind of a, a big boost for everyone to hear something good about themselves or to see what others enjoy or what makes them happy. Did the gratitude wall catch on pretty quickly? Like, what, what were people's initial reaction to the idea of there being a gratitude oh. wall? <laughs> Before we could even get it built, how many? Oh, oh goodness. I sent out a, an email in the morning. It was kind of like a jokey email, um, letting you know that, you know, this is a positive wall. So kind of keep it that way. And if you don't have something nice to say, you know, the golden rule is to not say anything at all. Um, but immediately, I mean, within seconds of me sending it out, people were responding. I love this. Where can I get the hearts to fill out? So we were kind of working double time, me to collect the hearts and disperse them and Miss Knight to get everything built up. Um, what she built was this giant tree mm-hmm. and it, you know, the hearts are kind of like the leaves falling all around. Wow. Yes. So something that started as a minor joke evolved into something that neither of you were really <laughs> expecting. Absolutely. Oh. Right. That's how it usually starts, I guess. If you don't mind me asking, is it still growing? Are people still contributing? 
Yes. Uh, some people put it up themselves and then we have to kind of go back and put them back up on the wall because we have like double-sided tape that kind of keeps it up there. But we don't mind. But what we don't, what we do mind is negativity and we do censor that, to be honest. Yeah, no one likes, no one likes negativity. What kind of effect has it had on morale of students and staff? I think a lot of people that go by and they see their name on there, it lifts them up. You know, a lot of that are teachers or uh, paras here, it's kind of a thankless job sometimes. So to see that someone really does value what we do on a day-to-day basis. And sometimes it's just funny because some people, <clears throat> myself, put tacos on there. And I really am grateful for tacos but there's so much more. Like some of them are really silly, so it's funny to go see those. And some of them are really heartwarming. Yes, absolutely. And for me, the morale has been when people walk by or if they – because some people know it's Ashley and I and some people may not know. But uh, like what if I'm in the hall walking – you'll hear someone go, oh my goodness, this is so great. And they'll stop. You'll see people in the hallway stopping and reading one. And then where it feels like they might have been going down a slippery slope of negativity, they're walking by and all of a sudden they're laughing or smiling Mm -hmm. or maybe like kind of even like that little like, oh, yeah, Um, that ambiance of, oh, yeah, I love my, my mom or my cat or my dog or I'm grateful for my job or you know whatever it might be yeah it sounds like on top of all of this it starts to encourage a bit more socialization with people because some mm-hmm. people might walk over see that and it's like you know what I relate to that and that might get conversations going that's I, a really good point I believe it has gotten conversations and bridged um, some gaps for me uh, P, I believe it's P7. It kind of spilled over into the residential. Cat and Mr. John, they actually had their um, their stu- the the kids. She wouldn't take no for an answer. She says you have at least one heart and put it up there. So that and that came from the residential side, and so it was really um, nice to see that they wanted positivity to come to the residential side as well. Can you share with us some things that are on the wall? Absolutely. Yes. Um, as I mentioned before, some things were very personal or silly, like being thankful for food, video games. A lot of people pointed out specifically girlfriends, boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I took a couple of pictures of the wall, and um, one stood out. It says, my family, especially my babysitter. We have a lot of people, um, Miss, uh, what's, is it Shiloh? Miss Sh- Honeywell, Ms. yes. Miss Honeywell started, segued the picture portion of it. So she has, her heart has her daughter, her husband, the school, and it's actually pictures. And then we have some people who actually braille theirs. My dog, my family, the nursing staff, mm-hmm. uh, the custodial staff. It's so many hearts. I did see a lot of my dots on there. Yes. I think that oh, was me too. <laughs> OSSB kitchen staff. Yes, they're wonderful. I found quotes. And the first quote, start each day with a grateful heart. 
And then the other quote was, gratitude turns what we want into enough. And that's, I think, sums it up. Like for me, that's what it started off with for me as is gratitude. You know, it's, it should be just enough, you know, to know that we're family here. Right. And it's not, it's limitless. You could come back multiple times and fill out multiple hearts because some days, um, some guy paid for my coffee the other day and I was having a rough morning. I'm like, man, I'm really grateful to that guy, but I, the guy the day before, he just was kind of like this little baby angel coming in with the Java and saving my life. So any of you, I don't know, have any of you filled out a heart? Like I said earlier, I um, actually wasn't aware of the oh. gratitude wall up until this point, actually. So I might have to check that out at some oh. point. Uh, well, I have hearts, and that's uh, room 207. Right. And 211, I believe, 207, 211. So um, at any time, um, or I can find you and bring you one. Can people email their hearts and you guys translate them and put them on the wall? Yeah, I could transcribe if anybody wanted to do that. I'm more than happy to. And yeah, and if it's Braille, we, you know, depending on, I think you'd have to probably say, hey, I prefer mine to be in a Braille form, but with a heart. And I do believe we have Duxbury or or someone that is mm-hmm. a transcriber. Oh, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Julie Thomas. She is the one that put actual for students who could not reach or look at the um, hearts, She the paper, she brails each and every time. There are new ones on there. She brails a new paper so you can read it. And so you can stop. Um, and it's like when you first walk through the connector going toward the nurse's station, on the right at the bottom, there's a braille for anyone who wants to read what is up there. And I, I heard that um, across the way I don't know if we started ours first or if they started theirs first, but they have hearts at the deaf school as well. So I don't know if we, you know, but I think it's kind of neat too. Right. It's it's it, gratitude is catching on. There we go. <laughs> we are glad to have you here. Uh, thanks for your uh, abundantly uh, infectious uh, positivity. And we look forward to hopefully catching you back again for the podcast. Thanks, Emmy. Yeah, thank you. Hello, everyone. Here are the camps that we have at OSSB. We're going to start things out with Zoo Adventure Camp. That's going to be June 6th through June 10th. In this camp, students are going to learn what it's like to be a zookeeper and design their own zoo buildings. Next is STEM Camp 1, June 6th through June 10th. In this camp, students collaborate with each other to explore and solve problems using creativity and ingenuity. STEM Camp 2, June 6th to June 10th. In this camp, students will learn a little about Ohio history and the famous Wright brothers. Then we got Theater Camp, which is going to be June 13th through the 17th. In this camp, students are going to take inspiration from Disney. Broadway, and they're going to try their hand at composing and performing a musical. That sounds fun. Next is Math Camp, June 13th through June 17th. 
This camp will focus on cooking and measurement skills to learn math through active student involvement and movement. We will have Braille Camp with yours truly between June 27th and July 1st. In this camp, we're going to improve our Braille skills while learning a little bit more about ecology and the environment. Sports Camp is for you if you like to make friends and like to be physical and try new things. And then we got Sports Camp number two, July 25th through the 29th. And each year, physical activities rotate, but no matter what the year, you're bound to have fun. ECC Camp, July 18th through July 22nd. Campers will learn to prepare meals and sharpen independent living skills, which is super important. Next, we have Band Camp, August 2nd to August 6th. Students will practice marching fundamentals during this week-long camp and learn to march and play a halftime show. All right, and those are your summer camps that's going to be happening here at the Ohio State School for the Blind. Today I am in the van with some members of the 3D Printing and Model Club that is hosted through the after-school program here at OSSB. Yeah. Hopefully you guys will enjoy listening to this segment of the OSSB podcast. Hey, hey, it's MEB. I am in here at the conference room at IC3D, and I'm here with, what's your name? Maria. Maria. Okay, and tell me, what do you do? What does IC3D do? And why are we here at the OSSB 3D Printing and Model Club here today? In short, how does your company relate to the efforts that we are contributing to at this school? So my name is Maria. I'm the administrator at IC3D. Um, we like to joke that my title is administrative czar. While I don't use any of the machines, I always know what's going on and I have my hand in all the pies all the time. So at IC3D, we do everything related to 3D printing. We make the filament that goes into 3D printers. We build printers, we sell printers, and we use printers in our 3D printing service that we print items for customers. We do a lot of experimenting, a lot of building, a lot of consulting, many, many different things. We're really excited to have OSSB here to be able to show them the greater possibilities of, of what 3D printing can do, the bigger machines that we can make to make bigger models, to make more dimensionally tricky objects that, that your students can interact with and learn from. Uh, we have lo we have lots of really interesting parts for people to touch today. A lot of articulated toys that show how you know you can 3D print movable parts in one piece. A lot of large format prints. We've got our bell that weighs a good 30 or 40 pounds that was printed on one of our largest printers. Has a four by four by four foot print space. So yeah, we're we're really excited about the ways that we can partner with OSSB and C3D. Great. Now, you mentioned partnering with OSSB and C3D, and I know that Caroline Karbowski has done an interview on us in the past. Tell me, what are some of the most exciting things that you look forward to in our new partnership with OSSB and IC3D? One of the ways that we've been partnering with, with C3D so far has been through filament. As a 3D printing filament manufacturer, 
you know, we make everything in-house and, and C3D being located here in Columbus, it's very beneficial for them to have a, a company and organization that they can that they can locally refer to when with their with their needs for 3D printing filament or you know advice or anything like that. So mostly that's one of the ways that we've been contributing is by providing free or discounted filament to Caroline and and her team and and others. We haven't started anything with OSSB yet, but we would be very excited to see a partnership where we could bring 3D printing more to the students, where we could, this is the first time we've had students from OSSB here to, you know, touch the printers and touch all the parts and learn more about how filament is made. And we hope that it's not the last for sure. Miss Marie, what does this trip for OSSB mean to you and for your company? And what do you see in this partnership moving forward? So IC3D's mission is to make manufacturing accessible to all through 3D printing. And we take that mission very seriously. We believe that everyone is capable of having great ideas. They're just not always in possession of the right resources. If that's machines or knowledge or other types of technology, we want to make sure that it's accessible. And we believe that 3D printing helps make it more, more accessible. So we hope that, you know, this being the first visit with OSSB, that, that we can help bridge that gap in accessibility that, that your students, that teachers, that anybody who, who wants to learn more, wants to access more, that they know they've got someone in their backyard that can, that can help guide them, can help supply them, can, can help teach them. Like an extruder, we're going to switch gears. <laughs> what were some of the things that our students got to experience at the trip today? So the first thing the students did was uh, sit in our conference room here that we prepped with a whole bunch of fun stuff to touch. So they got to touch things, not just static models, like uh, we've got a little clock tower and a dog and, and some toys, not just the static things, but also the functional things. We've got automotive parts. We've got screws that actually screw that are 3D printed. We've got different materials showing the flexibility. So wanting to expose the students to the wide variety of, of possibilities and the things that you 3D print. It's, it's fun and it's easy to print those static models, but you know eventually you get into being able to print functional parts and that's when the real excitement begins. So that was the first thing. The second thing, we got to show them the printers. They got to see the variety of shapes and sizes that a 3D printer can come in. Um, you know, that their dreams don't have to be limited by the size of their machine, that we, bigger ones exist. And then next they got to go learn how filament was made. We showed how an extruder works, how the screw chops up and pushes the filament out, how we put it on these big, big spools, and then we use our re-spoolers to turn them into smaller spools so they can see the functionality of how you run a business of 3D printing filament manufacturing. So they got to see all those parts associated with 3D printing that uh, people don't always get to see. Great. And what implications do you hope that this has on our school, our students, and our future? I hope that this visit only expands the, the realm of possibilities for these students, that they know that manufacturing and 3D printing is accessible no matter what, that they know that these machines are built, that these machines are here, that these, these people are here to support them when they have those ideas that they want to make real, that there is uh, access to resources. Great. 
Is there anything else you would like to add before we end this segment? I hope everyone, I hope we get to talk more about Toys for Tots in the future. We'll just drop that as a nugget. All right. A little nugget for next time. We're going to talk about Toys for Tots and 3D printing toys. All right. Now, I don't know if I'll be able to do that. That uh, will be another group coming in, but... There you go. Uh, maybe that will be one for closer to 2023. All right. Sounds good. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us on the OSSB podcast. Thank you for listening. Every year, March and June finish on the same day of the week. Did you know that? I had no idea. In old Roman calendars, a year would be 10 months starting on March and ending in December. If you were born in March, your birth flower is the daffodil. March is the first month of spring. Thank goodness. March is a time of year when animals start waking up from hibernation. Here's a little bit of classical mythology. The name for March comes from Mars, the Roman god of war. Did you know the popular social media outlet Twitter was launched on March 21st, 2006? March is the second month out of seven to have 31 days. Ouch. This year, Daylight Savings Time will begin at 2 a.m. on Sunday, March 14th. Did you guys hear your phones and Siri go off at 2 o'clock in the morning on March 14th? It woke me up. Both of them said, Daylight Savings. Daylight Savings. (laughs) I slept like a log. Uh, it woke me up. March 6th is National Oreo Cookie Day and Cheesecake Day. Yum. March 7th is National Flapjack Day. March 12th is National Plant a Flower Day. And on March 16th, get ready for some cuteness, it's National Panda Day. March 23rd is National Puppy Day. And finally, March 25th is National Medal of Honor Day. And those are March facts. Okay, up next on the OSSB podcast, we're going to do the alumni focus, and this is going to be take two, unfortunately, but it's going to be just fine. Joining me today, have the privilege of having on the show, Mr. Rocky Basil. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Mr. Kelly. How are you? I'm doing great. And, you know, we had a good one last week. We recorded this with the students, and uh, it was certainly wonderful to to have you be able to talk to them. But uh, when we got on spring break, I discovered that the file was gone. I will apologize profusely for, for that. I did want to get you on here this month, so thank you for taking some time again to to join me today. Not a problem. Yeah, but that was a great interview, by the way. And it's gone. It's so sad. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. So it was fun. It was. I had a great time. And you talked to the kids for, oh gosh, I'd say about an hour. Let's go back a little bit and talk about when you, your time at OSSB and how long were you there and when did you graduate? Well, let's see. I started uh, in kindergarten in 1958 yeah. and, and I graduated in 71. Wow. So you were there the whole time? Were you a residential I, student? Were you there? I was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, were you one of those guys that stayed there like all year round back in the day, or did you go home a lot? Oh, uh, we usually went home probably uh, every other week, sometimes every week, but mm-hmm. not very often every week, very seldom. Gotcha. But usually yeah. every two or three weeks, I went home. Oh, okay. That's good. Now, did you find yourself staying there more on the weekends when you got older? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of us did that. I mean, it seems to be the pattern anyway. Well, we had lots to do and, you know, we had things going on and of course, uh, we created a lot of activities anyway. Right. That's right. So in your 13 years there at OSSB, what was your favorite span of time? Would that be, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school? Oh, definitely high school. <laughs> Why is that? Well, mostly because I was in track and wrestling and, you know, I was involved with that a lot. Mm. Plus, uh, we did all kinds of things. We had mobility and we were allowed uh, to go off campus. We had passes. Mm-hmm. And I used to used to go up to the motorcycle shop quite a bit that was up the street from the school and spend time in there. All right. And uh, you were also involved in the music program too, weren't you? I was, yep. I was in chorus from elementary school and all the way through, let's see, was it 70 and 71, Susan Bratton created a little group called the Madrigals. And mm-hmm. I was uh, I was one of the one of the you know, students uh, involved in that. Yeah, and that is the elite. That is the elite of the vocal. Oh yes, choir. Yeah, the vocal chorus. Yeah, and you also did a lot with sound engineering at the school. Tell us about that. Yeah, we did. We recorded music and stuff for our dances, and we uh, used uh, equipment to uh, do the dances, DJ the dances, if you want to call it that. It was. More, more like playing music for the dances. No DJ, really. But okay, and that we equipment. still jammed. Oh, I bet, I bet, because you had good music <laughs> to jam to back then. Oh well, I know the equipment looked different back then because now we just had our spring fling dance, and I do believe that we streamed a lot of that through Apple Music. I was, I had an appointment, so I wasn't there. Actually, but uh, we do have some segments about the spring fling dance that we had uh, the last day before spring break. But what did that equipment look like back then when you guys were recording and playing music for the dances? Well, back then we used a bell reel-to-reel, a seven-inch reel-to-reel, and it was tube type for those of you that uh, know what tubes are. I do. But that was the precursor to solid-state equipment. Anyway, uh, we used a bell amplifier, a little stereo amplifier, probably about 25 watts, maybe. Okay. Had a Gerard turntable, had a couple, well, in the beginning, we had a couple Wharfdale speakers that we used, and then someone swapped them out for a pair of AR2AXs. So we used those, and, and we had a good time. Yeah. Now, I bet you part of the fun was working on that equipment to keep it going because the oh, oh, yeah. old tube type stuff broke down a lot. Oh, yeah. We got uh, we kept all of it up and going. and Plus, uh, my roommate and I had uh, Richard Foster, who is unfortunately no longer with us. He oh. killed in a auto wreck about two or three years after uh, we graduated. Oh, man. But uh, he and I were roommates, uh, very close. We had a room right across from the auditorium, which I think uh, sometime, quite a, you know, several years after that, was a uh, was a canteen. But anyway, we had a room in the building, and we had all our bunch of uh, electronic equipment and some tools and stuff in there that we uh, we did projects. Oh. Did you guys kind of self-teach yourself to do that or self-learn it? Or did you have any, like, 
teachers there that was kind of mentors that helped you along, showed you the ropes of using a side iron iron and putting those tubes in, that kind of thing? Oh, yeah. We had uh, Starling Hutt was the teacher there, and he did uh, some woodworking, electronics, and mechanic stuff. And I wasn't wasn't involved much in the woodworking because I didn't particularly care for that at all, and I still don't. (laughs) <laughs> but we did uh we did the mechanic stuff and uh electronics and then uh let's see uh the neighbor down the road from us back home was into electronics and he taught me an awful lot too so and a whole lot about mechanics mm. that sort of led after you graduated from OSSB and got out there and and started working that led into into your job into what you were doing. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, after I graduated, I went to automatic transmission school in Kansas City, Missouri. Mm. And after that, for a few years, I didn't uh, do too much except uh, some electronic stuff. I repaired uh, CB radios and some ham equipment, uh, amateur radio for those that that uh, don't know what that ham means. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we did that, and then in 1980, November of 80, I got hired by the uh, U.S. Department of Transportation, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration division of it, at the Vehicle Research and Test Center, uh, oh, wow. not uh, not too far from here, you know, out, yeah. uh, out at the uh, TRC location in East Liberty. Okay. And I worked there from 1980 to 2007. Wow. Retired. That's, yeah, that's that's a career there. Um, that's for sure, 27 years out there. So let's go back to transmission school real quick because we're always talking to our juniors and seniors getting ready to go to college about the skills you need to have to advocate for yourself and, you know, have good people skills and talk to your professors and talk to your classmates and that kind of thing. What I mean, that had to be a different experience for somebody who is totally blind to go to mechanic school, to go work on transmissions. What was that like? How did you make it work? It worked out. It worked out okay. I uh, I got along with everybody pretty well, uh, partially, I guess, because I'm a people person anyway. I get along with most people. Yeah. Or try yeah. to anyhow. Right. We got along with, you know, like I said, most everyone. And we had a good time. We, uh, you know, went through the school and there was one other blind person that came later on in the year. Mm-hmm. But most of the time I was, you know, most of the time I was the only one there. Yeah. So you just uprooted from Ohio and went out to Missouri and, and got it done. That's I good. got it done. <laughs> That's what you wanted had to, to do. do something. That's right. That's right. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of perseverance and, or was it just something you just, this is what you wanted to do. I mean, did you think it was going to be tough or did you just say, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. Well, I knew it was going to be, some of it was going to be tough, but I wanted to do it. I knew that as an adult, I was going to have to do something because I had, you know, I figured eventually I was going to have a family to feed. Yeah. And I didn't want to, you know, I had to have some way of some kind of an income. And so you went on to, uh, you went on to work work in the federal government at the at the vehicle test center, and uh, did great there. I understand that you got pretty prestigious award 
at that job. Can you talk about that a little bit? I actually got a couple of them, but oh, yeah, okay. I can. Don't, that, don't, uh, I'm not trying to undersell you or nothing. <laughs> right. I know. I know. I know. That's all right. <laughs> well, tell, tell us about it, man. Let, put it out there for us. <laughs> all right. The uh, award was the most valuable handicapped employee in the U.S. Department of Transportation, and I won that award yeah. in 1981. And of course, they flew uh, flew me to Washington. We had a big, uh, they had a big celebration. Went to the White House. Went to the uh, the Senate. Got to visit that. Also got to uh, v- visit the uh, Secretary of Transportation, who at that time was Drew Lewis. All right. Well, that- and that's yeah, that that's a big honor. That that yeah, I I, th- I would think so. And and there was probably you know, other candidates in the running and you just excelled and at what you I did. did. Yeah. So what kind of things did you do there at the vehicle test center? I started out uh, parts and tour room attendant, but that job morphed into several other jobs, uh, which I did all the repair on all of the electrical hand tools, drills and saws and well, just any of the le- electrical tools. And then, uh, of course, then I got involved in working on generators, working on various different, you know, types of generators they had there. And we also did, uh, a little bit later on, we did, we helped in brake testing semis. Mm, And we worked on all that for several years and also worked on a few of the, few of the cars there too, you know, the staff cars. Right. In the, in the transportation pool, kept those up. And then we got into computers. And then after that, we, uh, we got, well, we got real deep into that. I created databases of all of the radio equipment that they use there and the people that we had sign out logs mm-hmm. that, uh, I created. They had to take, you know, people who had to sign the radios in and out. Right. Yeah. And then we, uh, Got into a little bit of networking and did a little bit of that there. Did a lot of computer repair, not so much at work, but uh, at home. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of computer repair, built several computers. But uh, I had some absolutely excellent, and I do mean excellent, teachers there at work. Not, none of them were none of them were blind. I was the only blind person there. But we adapted. I had teachers that were extremely good at adapting, and mm-hmm. and uh, it all worked out real well. Yeah, that was that was kind of going to be my next question. Rock was, how did you get people to buy into seeing your abilities instead of just being a blind guy trying to make it and well, make it happen? Well, when I first started out there. I had two companies that wanted to hire me, TRC, which is Transportation Research Center, which is out there. Mm-hmm. And, of course, then VRTC, which is the government uh, side of things. Right. Okay. Well, I chose the government because they paid more. But <laughs> the first thing that I had to do is uh, one of the, one of the uh, guard vehicles had a bad transmission. And mm-hmm. they said, okay. They said, let's see, let's see if you can, you know, you say you can do this, rebuild it. So I did. Okay. They put it back in and it worked out great. Wow. And then they hired me. Yeah. And that was not through BSVI. Back then it was called BSVI. 
Yeah. I don't know what it's called now, book rehab or whatever. OOD. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. I got that job pretty much on my own. Yeah. Yeah. And made a, a lucrative career out of it. Uh, right. And had a lot of experiences, which is. Which is Lots great. of experience. Oh, yeah. And I also did a lot of electronic work there disassembling lots of uh, test fixtures that uh, they had created for different projects and were no longer needed for that project because that one was done. Okay. So then I, me and, you know, me and the soldering iron just went to work and disassembled all that stuff. So the parts that could be used again in something else, that's, you know, we cleaned it all up. Yeah. That's what we did. Got Rocky's recycling program going out there. That's what we did. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds good. And you know, it, it, and I always love it. I mean, you're such a humble guy to talk to and you got a lot of experience, but you're still dabbling in this stuff after you've retired. What would it be now? 15 years since you retired, you still have a connection with, with OSSB with your work with, uh, electronics and, uh, we had a bunch of reel to reels there at the school because y'all used to record everything. And you're taking those reel to reels and you're you're digitally mastering those and sharing that with with anybody who wants to listen. You talk about that a little bit. Sure, uh, that's exactly what we're doing. Since I happen to be a reel to reel buff, I have several studio reel to reels of various summer summer old tube types that are in excellent condition and then some are a little bit newer but when i say newer we're still talking uh, 70s <laughs> right yeah when they but uh i take all of the the real to real tapes and i digitize all of them and edit them and uh, you know take out stuff that's certainly not needed and and hopefully I'm doing a good job. I hope so anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, everything that I've heard, everything's been excellent. How are you sharing that with the alumni or anybody who wants to go back and listen to these recordings? Well, I have an FTP server that people can log on to. Yeah. yeah and so. I'd recommend you use FileZilla to do that because browsers are just not that accurate on FTP. They're just not that good. Right. Because yeah, there's a focus. is a... Yeah, you know, focus issue with the browsers, especially with if you're using a screen yeah. reader. And FileZilla is accessible and it's also free, so and it does a good job. Now, does someone have to go in and download these things? I guess they would using FileZilla. You can't just get on there and stream it, right? No, you you need to. You can download it. Okay. And for those that wish to do so, we we'll give you the info here. Yeah, hey, let's you, uh, let's have it during this podcast. Yeah. All right. And I'll put it in the show notes as well. It's in, as in November, the number eight. A is in alpha. G is in golf. J is in Juliet. Dot net. All right. The uh, username is OSSB, all lowercase. The password is uppercase T, and the rest is lowercase A. P-E-S, as in tapes, Tapes. dash 1953, 1953. Gotcha. And that'll do it. And if I recall correctly, you have it broken down by years. Like, 
the East I guess Coast? it is. Yeah, okay. All of the file names, I don't have them in folders like that, but the file names all have, have the years in the file name. Okay. They're MP3 files, correct? Yes, they are. Okay. All right. So, yeah, you should have something on your computer that'll play that. So, we got uh, graduation coming up, and we've got uh, seven or eight seniors that are graduating. Moving on into college or work or you know, some sort of post-secondary thing. What is the most important piece of advice you could give these guys right now? Well, all I can say is, first of all, the best thing you can do is for those, you know, not everyone is college material, but the first and the best solution is those that are, go get that college education. That is an absolute must if you want to make any money. Yeah. And if you want to have a good job, you know, yeah. don't lay around and party all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Get the, get the job or get the, get the college education. And for those that are not college material, get a tech education. I mean, that's a must. That's a must folks. You got to have either a college education or a tech education. Uh, or, you know, at least some kind of an education other than high school. Right. Once you acquire a position and acquire a job, give it all you got, man. Yeah. Give it all you got because uh, you'll have to, you know, you'll probably have to prove yourself as most of you already know that happens, you know, with somebody with a disability. You got, it's a little dose of reality there. Unfortunately. Yeah, they're not going to hand it to you, are they, Rock? Absolutely not. <laughs> if you don't, uh, you know, if you don't put, put forth some effort, do your best. Why, you know, they'll find someone else that, that will. That's right. There's always somebody else behind you that, that's that's hungry. So, I mean, hearing you say is stay hungry. At least guys get an education, man. Get an, And girls get an education, too. I mean, it's it's just a, it's just a good idea. It, yeah. it is. And I know the second piece of advice that you're going to give them, I already know what it is, so I'll just go ahead and say it, is come to the reunion. Get involved with the Alumni Association. Absolutely, folks. Yep, come to the reunion. You know, have a, give some kudos to your school and, you know, join the, uh, join the alumni. Have some fun. Everybody would be really glad to, glad to meet you there, those that don't know you, those that are younger or older. I remember several years ago, we used to have up to, you know, over 200 people come to the reunion. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool to see that again. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get those numbers back up there. And the only way to do it is to get new people coming in and older and so people. So those back. that come this year, that would be great because Mr. Kelly and I are going to do the, we're going to DJ the dance. That's right. That's right. We're going to be playing songs, <laughs> songs from the fifties through 2021, 22, 21. Yep. 21. <laughs> 20, yep. Uh, yep. 2022, whatever. Yeah. 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 So we're going to be, so gonna be, yeah, playing. The I've tunes. got about four terabytes of music. <laughs> well, I've got, uh, I've got Apple music and Amazon music unlimited and I can make all kind of playlists. <laughs> there you go. We'll get a little bit of the, old school and the new school kind of combine those together and we're going to, we're going to make, right. make a great show happen. So we're excited about that. Come on over, man. Let's, let's, uh, let's party down and have a good time. 
All right. Well, thank you, Rock. I appreciate you joining us today and in great words, great words as always. And, uh, in, in such a, you know, good, easy manner too. you know, appreciate everything that you had to say. And I know our listeners do too. Also, thank you for being a subscriber to the podcast and keeping up with what's going on at the Ohio State School for the Blind. Well, thanks for having me. Hello, and welcome back to the OSSB podcast. You know who it is. It's me, Emmy, and I'm back with another important interview. Today, Miss Smith, the art teacher, is going to explain to us what kind of fun things she's been doing with her classes this month. Thank you, Emmy. We have been doing a lot of fun things in art class. Uh, one of the things we did this month was the uh, middle school and high school art students took a trip to the Vincent Van Gogh Immersive ex- Exhibition, uh, which is located in Polaris. And so we traveled there. We went through the exhibit, which was um, an installation of lights and projections in a room. So it felt like we were inside of uh, Vincent Van Gogh's paintings. So it was a really neat experience, and the kids um, really enjoyed it. Um, they enjoyed walking around and experiencing being inside of an artwork. Now, how did this trip come to be, and why did we decide to take this trip in the first place? Yes, the um, Vincent van Gogh exhibition is a traveling exhibition throughout the country, and I heard about it, and we just happened to be studying the artwork of Vincent van Gogh, so I thought it would be a neat trip for us to take. Great. Now, I want to ask, what did planning look like for this trip? Because I was overhearing the load coming out from lunch, and it seemed like there were a lot of different students and a lot of different grade levels with a lot of different vision levels there. Can you explain what uh, was what was done in our part to make sure everyone came in and out of there safely and had a and had a good experience? Yes, there was a lot of planning involved. We made sure that we had adult chaperones and we divided all the students into groups, and we made sure that students had access to audio description. I provided audio description myself for one of the students, and Miss Claudia, our visiting artist, provided audio description for another student. That's great. I'm sure that was helpful. Now, can you explain to us, for our listeners, what were some of the things that students did on this art trip, and what was its significance? Uh, So basically, the students got to walk through the exhibition area, and there were projections on the walls and on the floor as they walked through, and it almost felt like you were moving through the paintings. Um, After that, we went out into the lobby area, and there were lots of murals, and we took a picture in front of one of the murals. Um, And there was also a gift shop, which the students got to go through. And then there was a vendor who was passing out samples of yogurt, so they also got to get a yogurt sample. Well, that's good. Now, you as a teacher, what does this trip mean for you? And how do you hope that it'll affect our students and their learning? As a teacher, this trip is really important because it's a very unique experience that not a lot of people are able to go to something like that. So I wanted to make sure that our students had access to that type of exhibition. Thank you. Is there anything else you would like to add regarding this trip or anything in art class as a whole? 
There's a lot of different things going on right now. It's been very busy.、Uh, we've been working on traveling around the world with the elementary students, and they created their own passports and did our projects from different places in the world. And then we're also still working on a history project with Miss Claudia. We're creating banners、um, that we're going to be hung up in the school. So students have the、uh, middle school and high school students have been working on creating image transfers for those. So a lot of exciting stuff going on. Yes, the history book project. I'm glad you brought that up. Do you have any further updates regarding the history book project? I'm sure our audience would like to know about that. Yes, the history book project has been completed, and that、uh, finished at the end of last year. So the book is now available and can be purchased.、Um, I believe through the Facebook page or the website. There should be a link to the. The book and to purchase it there. Now, my understanding is we're working on getting it into accessible formats. Is that correct?、Uh, yes, we're working on an audio format, and we currently have a braille format that's already available. Yes, we're glad to hear that. Is there anything more that you would like to add? No, I think that's everything, Emmy. Thank you for taking the time to come down and find out what's going on in art. Well, thank you for taking the time to interview me, Miss Smith, and thank you all for listening and supporting the work that we do at the Ohio State School for the Blind. All right, everyone, we're about to wrap up this edition of the OSSB podcast, but before we do, we're going to walk over to the gym and listen in to the Spring Fling Dance. Put on by the student council. So, big shout out to the student council for their hard work and putting this together. And we're gonna have Miss Barden interview Emmy and Jonathan. All right, it's Miss Barden, and I'm here at the Spring Fling with Emmy and Jonathan. Emmy, Emmy, how's it going? Good. How's the spring fling? It's going good so far. Lots of yeah,、things. I made him dizzy a couple times. <laughs> a couple spins. I gave him a couple spins. He's like, I think I'm done. That's awesome. Well, we've got a lot of dancing, some snacks, and some great music happening here at the spring fling. Yeah, I hear the whip right now. I don't know how to do the dance though. All right, see you guys later. Well, that's all we have for this month. Let's have a quick recap of this month's podcast. To start off, we share some weird and obscure facts about this month. We also brought on Miss Trot as well as Miss Knight and discussed the Great Gratitude Wall, as well as the many awesome things it's brought to our school. There's also the alumni focus we did with Mr. Rock Basil, discussing his own experiences at OSSB. On top of this, we also got to interview Mrs. Smith about an art exhibit trip. We got to talk about Van Gogh and also the great things they did there. Last but certainly not least, we briefly touched on the exciting summer camp programs that are slowly brewing up. As always, we thank you for listening, and we hope to see all of you magnificent people in the next issue of the OSSB podcast. Take care, everybody.